Hi everyone. My first home in Australia was a duplex in Pennant Hills. Our neighbour was a lovely white Australian lady called Wendy and she loved gardening. Because our houses are like twins, Wendy wanted our front yards to look similar so it's not jarring. My parents, who are not fans of gardening at all, were so happy when Wendy offered to do the gardening for us. Wendy would always be working on our garden. Over time, our front yard looked really nice. There were lots of flowers and pot plants. Whenever guests came over, they'd always compliment us on our garden. We quickly tell them that we have nothing to do with it. It's all Wendy. Wendy actually taught me how to read English too. When we first arrived in Australia, my mom asked her if she could tutor me. Every week I'll go over to her place and she'll teach me phonetics. I remember reading through a chart of letters, then blends, then more blends, and then actual words. She was such a great teacher, but she never taught me how to garden. Probably because my mum never asked her to. Fast forward many years later, about 2018, at Northern Life Baptist Church, Rachel Lee comes up to do an announcement. Hi there, for those who don't know me, my name is Rachel and I'm the youth pastor at Northern Life. And then Rachel announces a challenge, grow a tomato. Now I forgot why we decided to do this challenge, but it was very dumb of me to suggest this challenge in the first place. Basically, I went to Bunnings and bought about four DIY grow-your-own tomatoes in a cup things. I asked for volunteers if they'd like to take a cup home and try and grow some tomatoes. Whoever succeeds in growing a tomato wins. And so it ended up being me and a few others. How hard would growing a tiny tomato be? I tried to follow the instructions. Wet the dirt, put some seeds in, put it out in sunlight regularly. Well, the first week, nothing happened. And, I, and then I don't know if I even made it past the second week because I gave up quite quickly. Nothing was happening and I got fed up. Sometime later, Rachel Ford, who was one of our challenges, posted a picture up on our Facebook community page. We were all meant to put pictures up on Facebook to show our progress, but I didn't after the first one because nothing happened. But something happened to Rachel Ford's. Something sprouted out. She made something come to life. That was so exciting. I think we'd all agree that growing a living thing takes time. It takes time, but there's something really satisfying about watching something grow. For humans as well, growth feels natural and we want to grow. It's innate in us. We expect little babies to grow into bigger humans. We expect teenagers to grow into adults. We hope to become mature and wise, or at least we like to think we're mature and wise. But when it comes to spiritual growth and maturity, there's two problems preventing us from becoming who we're meant to be. The first is we fight against God's vision for our lives. And the second, we take root in external things. Let's take a look at the first problem. We fight against God's vision for our lives, which is a broken relationship with God. Living things have a mind of its own. I have a friend who owns a dog called Lola. For someone who doesn't really like animals, I would say we're pretty close. So Lola knows me well, and I know she knows me well, because her owner tells me that every time I walk over to her place, Lola can smell me from far away, and she'll start barking. Barking in a friendly, excited way, of course. One evening, I went out walking in my neighborhood. 
I was surprised to see Lola, but not my friend, walking her. It was a dog walker who walks Lola every Monday. They were walking towards me in the opposite direction. I didn't know the dog walker, so I pretended I didn't know Lola. But I knew that Lola would recognize me straight away. I was trying to guess what she'll do as we approach closer. Would she be super excited to see me? Would she come over and smell me? We got closer and closer and closer and closer. We got so close, she walked straight past me without acknowledging me. I stopped and turned around to look at her. What? She didn't even look at me. She pretended I didn't exist. We passed each other three times because we walked the same route twice. And each time she didn't acknowledge me at all. No eye contact, nothing. I thought dogs are predictable and love you no matter what. But living things have a mind of its own. We call it free will and it's a gift from God. In God's goodness and love, he gave us the ability to choose whether or not to be in a relationship with him and to choose what we say and how we act. Free will is so important, but we often abuse or take it for granted. And with our free will, sometimes we fight against God's vision for us. We fight against God's vision for us when we trust ourselves more than we trust our creator. We fight against God's vision for us when we'd rather try things our own way. Our relationship with God is broken, but Jesus is the only one who could connect us back to the Father. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. A branch cut off from the tree is dead. Nothing can grow from the branch if it's detached from the trunk of the tree. Likewise, Jesus is the life giver who sustains and nurtures us so that good things may come out of us. Once upon a time, sin separated us from God. We were tiny little branches that told God we don't need him anymore. And so we broke ourselves off from him. Jesus is the true vine who restores our relationship with the Father. Now the second problem, which is closely related to the first is, we take root in external things. Consider this illustration of three concentric circles. The outer layer is external things. The middle layer is others and the core is God. Jesus wanted us to remain in him so that we can have life that bears fruit. He's reminding us that our identity begins with him. Now, I've mentioned that I don't know much about gardening, but I think if a branch is connected to an apple tree, it will produce apples. So if we're connected to Jesus, we continue bearing the image of God. We're not God, but we'll share in the power that Jesus freely gives us. We'll experience the peace and joy that Jesus freely gives us. We'll find security and worth in him. We'll know true love and wisdom that surpasses all understanding. Jesus is saying, connect with me. I am life. I bring goodness to your life. I'll help you grow. Brothers and sisters, what is the life you want? We all want to be a somebody, but we're looking for it in the wrong things. Rather than starting from God and work our way outwards, we're choosing external things first and then slowly moving in towards God. Sometimes we don't even make it to God. We take root in external things. Money is God because we think it buys us status and security. We are the clothes we wear. We are the car we drive. We are the work that we do. 
In 2018, a photographic journalist, Lauren Greenfield, released a documentary called Generation Wealth. She spent 25 years examining materialism and celebrity culture. She traveled around the world, like to LA, Moscow, Dubai, and China, to see and interview who the rich are and what drives their obsession with money. She produced a very thick book that documents a visual history of the growing obsession of wealth we have in the world. Now, I think we all know we love money, but Greenfield's project brings almost this Loch Ness monster to reality. It's confrontational, not in a horror movie scary way, but it's confrontational in that we look into the attitudes and lifestyles of those who are obsessed with the external things like wealth, beauty and status. Not to spoil too much of the documentary, but as you watch it, you'll see some of her subjects' life when she first started documenting wealthy people. And then it's a journey to see how their life turned out 20 to 25 years later. As I was watching the documentary, I felt a sense of despair. Their lives haven't changed at all, only that they looked a bit older and their hair's changed. It reminded me of what Ecclesiastes says, everything is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. One of the stories in Generation Wealth was particularly memorable to me. Casey Jordan was an adult film star who became famous for her relationship with Charlie Sheen. After that scandal, she wanted a fresh start in life, and so she changed her name and had surgery to look a bit different. She actually changed her name twice, but she's still trying to work out who she is or who she wants to become. Jesus also told a parable that summarizes the foolishness of chasing after wealth and materialistic things. He said in Luke chapter 12, verses 16 to 21, The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Brothers and sisters, what is the life you want and how do you think you'll get it? Because it's not in wealth and materialism and all the external things we're trying to chase. And it's also not putting our hopes into relationships with others. Relationships are important. But if we take root in relationships without God, we'll still have a distorted identity. Some people have this misconceived idea that marriage solves everything. Or having a child would bring us happiness. The problem isn't the marriage or the child. Having those relationships are great. The problem is if we see them as the source of our fulfillment. It's a problem when we get into a relationship to escape boredom or because we feel pressured to when everyone around us is coupling up. It's a problem when we control our children, dictating what they should wear, what career path they should choose, or which teams to support. Do you still remember what I said earlier? Living things have a mind of its own. In some ways, having external things is easier. When we try to control and manipulate others for our own fulfillment, it'll frustrate us because we're chasing the wrong thing. 
And so it comes back to our concentric circles. We're often starting from the outer circle working in. We care about the external things and we want to secure relationships in our lives. And then finally, if there's still time left in our schedule, we'll turn to God. That way of building our lives distorts our identity because external things and relationships can't give us life. The only source of life is through the true vine, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. If we turn our hearts first to the Lord, he gives us life, meaning, value and purpose. And using that power and affirmation from Christ, we can move out into building genuine relationships with others without feeling insecure and needing to control others. And then finally, if there's still time left in our schedule, we can focus on the external things. If we start from the outside, we'll end up burnt out and disillusioned. One day, your battery will run out. But if we start with putting our roots into Jesus first, we will receive unlimited power and love from our Creator. We'll find joy in being in relationship with others because Christ delights in relationships. We'll find patience in dealing with hard to deal with people. And we'll find power to forgive those who hurt us. God, relationships, external things. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Let me summarize what we've been talking about so far. The problems we face in this world are firstly a broken relationship with God because we're fighting against God's vision for our lives. And secondly, a distorted identity because we're taking root in external things. But if we abide in Jesus, who is the true vine, he can restore our relationship with our Heavenly Father and he can give us a true and unshakable identity. Moving deeper, what are the promises Jesus gives us if we choose to remain in him? Now, the first promise is it's not going to be easy. Chapter 15 verses 1 to 2 says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. God is the gardener who prunes us so we can bear even better fruit. It's very painful to have things removed from you, especially when it feels very much a part of you. It could be a certain habit, a level of comfort we're used to, a dream that we won't let go. Part of the Christian journey is to go through seasons of pruning. We've received salvation, but we still need to undergo a process of sanctification or a transformation to be Christ-like. I love how N.T. Wright explains the importance of character transformation in this life because in the next life, it'll be a huge culture shock for us if we don't start learning and living the ways of God's kingdom. Being pruned is painful and takes a long time, but it's worth it because the second promise Jesus gives us if we abide in him is that we'll bear everlasting fruit. Verses 16 and 17 says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask for in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Jesus said, I chose you and appointed you, which means that he's given salvation for everyone. Because of sin, we have no right to choose God. There's no way that I could work my way up back to God's good graces. To have a relationship with God is Jesus' gift to us. 
He's chosen us to receive his grace and be reconciled with the Father again. And as we grow deeper in relationship with God, we'll also bear fruit that will last. A seed placed in good soil will become a healthy tree. Putting Jesus front and center of our lives will transform us to become more Christ-like, faith-filled, and live authentically by who we are. When we commit to this new kind of new living, we'll eventually align ourselves with God's vision and will for our lives and in this world, which means we will then receive whatever we ask for in Jesus' name. God's vision is for a new world ruled by justice, love and peace. In Jesus' name, we ask God's kingdom to come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's vision is for his name to be glorified and that disciples of all nations would come together to worship him. In Jesus' name, we ask that the name of Jesus be lifted up and praised in all the earth every day, 24-7. God's vision is for every individual to be known and loved, for every individual to be reconciled with him, to be become children of God. God's vision is for us to be bold in faith, to be gentle in spirit, to be wise and discerning. In Jesus' name, we ask for boldness, gentleness, wisdom and discernment. It's not going to be easy. We'll bear everlasting fruit. And the last promise is we'll remain in Jesus' love. Can I tell you a story about my childhood blankie? For as long as I could remember, I had a small rectangular blanket that was white with cute little pictures and a yellow border around the edges. I had a little name for it in Cantonese. In English, it would be something like blanky blanky. I always slept with it, but I don't think it was a security blanket to me. I just really liked it for some reason. Maybe because it was so soft and it was nice to smell it and hold it at night. That blanket was really special to me, and my family looked after it as well. My mum washed it for me regularly. My dad made sure it was with me when we went on holidays. My brother knew not to touch it. In year five, I went on a three-day camp, and naturally, I packed Blanky Blanky with me. I had a great time on camp, tried abseiling for the first time. But when I got home, I realised Blanky Blanky was gone. I was so upset for days. Something that was special to me, and by extension, my family, was gone. I got over it eventually, but I've never forgotten about Blanky Blanky. I wonder what it's doing right now, whether or not it has a new owner, or maybe it's just part of the furniture at the campsite I went to in year five. Now, the point I wanted to bring out in this illustration is that when we love something, we assign value to it. Just like Blanky Blanky, it's just a small rectangular blanket, and it was probably very cheap when my parents bought it. But I came to love it, and it meant something to me, and losing it made me sad. My family was sad too that I lost it. God, our Creator, loves us, and because He's infinite and all-powerful and all-knowing, He has infinite love to give. And because He has infinite love to give, He's assigned us with infinite value. Let's go back to our concentric circles. God should be the core of our identi identity. We are worthy and have value because we are known and loved by God. If we keep trying to find love and identity through materialistic things or other people, we'll never be secure in who we actually are. Broken and flawed people can never satisfy your need to find unconditional love. Only God could love us unconditionally. 
It's not going to be easy. We'll bear everlasting fruit. We'll remain in Jesus' love. These are the promises Jesus gives when he said he is the true vine. As a body of Christ, we want to point others to the true vine so that they too can receive the blessings of a restored relationship and renewed identity. Let's have a look at a few spiritual gifts that could empower us to bless others. They are exhortation, tongues and interpretation of tongues and serving and hospitality. The gift of exhortation is often called the gift of encouragement. We're broken people in a broken world and we need encouragement to keep aligning our vision to God's vision. We need encouragement to rest our identity in God despite what the world keeps telling us. The gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues can benefit the body of Christ by engaging us with God through a different dimension. The speaking of tongues allows a person to have a very personal encounter with God. An interpreter is necessary for corporate worship so that others may also receive insight and hear from God. Finally, the gift of serving and hospitality is important to help others who haven't yet received Jesus as the true vine. It takes time to know the Lord. I love how Jesus was never forceful about making others follow him. He'd always lovingly meet the needs of others first. He cared about who they are and what challenges they were experiencing. By tending to their physical or emotional needs, they eventually realized that Jesus can meet their spiritual needs too. If you have a gift of serving and hospitality, you're leading others to Jesus through very practical and tangible ways. Let's keep practicing and using our gifts of exhortation, tongues and interpretation of tongues, and serving and hospitality. Together, we can lead others to know the true vine who can restore our relationship with the Father and give us a true and unshakable identity.